0: christmas to you happy christmas to you that's
1: it welcome to new polities podcast the christmas special
0: the christmas special the special
1: refers to you you're special this christmas
0: there you go if your mom hadn't already told you mark now has that's right (laughs) you
1: know what i've been thinking a lot about this christmas
0: what have you been thinking about mark children no, really.
1: Not because I have them, but because Christ comes as a child. Yeah, it's incredible. Because when you think about children, what makes them so interesting? Their kind of vocation in life seems to be that they provide concretization to human institutions, right? So what I mean is. They always miss the beginning of things. So the child is the only member of a marriage that wasn't at the wedding, right? <laughs> and uh, and so when they look at you and your wife, they don't see something that even has a speckle of contingency about it, right? Because there was no prior time in which you guys weren't a stalwart institution.
0: That's right. You and, are the bulwark.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're mm-hmm. like you're like a natural. You're like a, a rock or a or a, a, a nice tree. Like it has the appearance, the institution, which is free and creative and chosen and and remarkable in that sense, for the child is necessary and natural. Speaking this way. And sometimes it's easy to think of a child being wrong, right? So, like, you know, your child, he looks out, he sees the highway, and he gives it the same natural necessity as he does, like the field next to the highway.
0: Right. right? Yes. He just accepts it as a given. Yeah. Both are just.
1: Equi-primordial. They're there, (laughs) you know? Uh, And so you might think of education as this kind of correction of the child who is born in the wrong. So you say, actually, now that you are a man, my three-year-old, you can distinguish between artifice and nature, the works of man and the works of God, etc. But in another sense, the child is obviously born in the right because... What God has brought together, let no man asunder. And unfortunately, this applies even to our highway building, right? Because the single act of creation...
0: No, I think we should make it asunder.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. But in the eyes of the child, right? Who sees the highway and the field with an equi primordality.
0: Nice. Words.
1: He is seeing them as part of one single act of creation. And insofar as that's the case, he's quite correct. Mm. Because when God made the world, he made it with us in mind and somehow mysteriously his singular act of creation this great gift includes our free choices as i, I was gonna say part but as like the shape of creation itself right so it's not like god creates a sort of fundament of nature he's like here's a world and then you guys get to do stuff in it as if for god these are surprises to him like ah, oh, look what they did with that look what they did with this mm. you know, we can speak in that way and i think it's good too because it shows his fatherliness and the fact that you know, like in the book of Genesis, it says that God gave the animals for Adam to name in order to see what he would name them. Yeah. It's just delightful <laughs> you know, but you can't really surprise God, you know what
0: did you call that one <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a, it's a paradox right because because you have both freedom and necessity in this kind of synthesis, like I go and I act, but at the same time, God's creation always already to use like sort of postmodern uh you know trope always already contained my free action. Like when he created the world, he created it with me in it, doing the things that I do. So so human life, human existence, is always this feeling of um, freely acting, but only because you're first given the providential order in mm. which you act. So it's just, you know, you're, you're giving and receiving. It's freedom and necessity. It's It's, you know. Okay. So the child, though, is marvelous because he actually provides that correct view of the singular act of creation. The child who looks upon the highway and says, yeah, this is really part of the world is not wrong. And in fact, that's why we should be so worried when we make highways. It's that we're not like extrinsically adding something that doesn't really have to do with the creation. You know, we are actually shaping the singular act of creation in our freedom, our mysterious freedom. And so the child's quite right. That should scare us.
0: Yeah, um, I feel scared there's of more
1: beautiful. There's more beautiful examples like the marriage, right? Like the child is the one who shows us the indissolubility of the marriage precisely because he can't see it otherwise. Mm. You know, like when, when, when you marry, why does, why, does, why does marriage produce children? Well, one of the things that seems obvious is it's like when you say yes to the child, you're saying yes to a view of your marriage that can't but see the thing as natural. So it's not just incidental that marriage has children, it's that it affirms itself, right? And there's a danger here, right? You don't want to, like, make a marriage work by having another kid, right? That's not quite the idea. But it is the case that the kids provide to your adult view the necessity, even while you, in your experience, provide it the contingency. And and in that, you kind of have a... It's like we, we want to say human beings know things. But we're social animals, so I think we actually know things like marriages and highways and trees in the world as a society. Like, you need the consciousness of the child who delivers this sort of almost godly view of the thing as being part a necessary part of the
0: singular creation, mm-hmm, made mm-hmm. natural. Yeah. And then you need the... Working uh, out of providence, yeah, you yeah, yeah, call yeah. it. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah.
1: but then you also need the consciousness of the adult who sees the thing yeah. as free, mm-hmm. creative, artifice. Yep. And so what who knows the thing itself well it's not any it's not you and it's not your child, but the family knows has a familial knowledge of creation as both nature and artifice, right, right. you know the transcendence of nature and artifice like for each other as a family you don't get to know it as an individual you, you you know the child looks at your marriage, sees it as natural, and you learn from the child about an indissolubility that's real, even as you teach him about a contingency that's real like yeah, once you weren't. Around man, and I married your mom because I thought she was pretty. Could could have married anybody, but she's the one. So so you teach each other about these two aspects of the single mystery of creation.
0: That's really nice. So wow. we actually have a paradox that God has pedagogically enabled us to better understand. Totally, that's what children are for. Man, I love children.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, people sometimes talk, talk about children as if they're like for the um continuation of the species like you need children because you need more adults
0: no you have children so that they teach you about god and reality yeah, yeah i think yeah, so because you have to you have to have an argument about why sense.
1: kids exist without death like so mm. when before the fall adam was was uh without without sin and there and there wasn't this specter of scarcity and death that informed their acts of reproduction or not even reproduction their acts of procreation you have to ask like when he and eve talked to each other like hey should we have a kid why they wanted it. You have to be able to say, I mean, Aquinas says, well, the reason they had children was for the multiplication of the individual as opposed to the preservation of the species, right? Because oh, nice. there's no species to be preserved. God preserved us. Hmm. And so somehow you have to have an understanding of the child that that isn't afflicted by the fall. Like when Adam and Eve, prior to the fall, decided to have a child, what were they deciding about? That it would be very good to have a child, but why? They're not scared they're going to die. There's no sense of like, you know, I need something to live beyond me and posterity. There's none of that fear, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why, yeah. So, so it seems to me like saying that there's something that the child um, tells you about God, and it's not just like it's not just the trite things of like the the uh, the cuteness, the cuteness of God. I <laughs> think God is cute. <laughs> You don't think so, I think he's cute, but it's Christmas, and so Christ comes as a child, yeah, you know why to show us the Father, yeah, and I think this is something beautiful because there there it it's not there is a sense in which every child shows us the Father, precisely because through knowing as the child knows, by allowing allowing the way the child knows to sort of reflect as if you know talk about the son as a mirror of the Father, but I think that should be taken more literally, like not just as a mirror, like it's a copy, but in the sense of when you look at the child, your image bounces back, but differently. And it seems to me when we look at children, especially when we look at the Christ child, what we're seeing is is a revelation of God as the creator of all, as the giver of all, because they can't help but see the whole world otherwise. The child mm-hmm. doesn't get to say, you know, that some of it's artifice and some of it's nature, that some of it is contingent and some of it's free. It like, just sees the act of creation. And when we get to see that, then we, I think, become more alarmed about our sins, which actually deform creation, mm-hmm. um, and we become more gracious about, about what's good. And so I think Christ, in becoming a child, is actually fulfilling perfectly what every child anticipates in being born. Namely, the presence of God on it. Like, there's a way you could say every child is. Mm. A, and when we talk about, sorry, I'm
0: it. I'm, I'm, Go I'm, I'm, Keep going. Keep going. We talk
1: about children like this, don't we? Like, like you know, people that people that do wicked things might be totally calloused to every argument against their wickedness. Mm-hmm. Right? You could say something to the effect of, like, Hey, it'll hurt you. Eh, whatever. Hey, it's hurting other people. Who cares about the other people? But hey, it offends God. They don't even care, right? But not in front of the kids, man. <laughs> that no, it's true. Like that that's the last so right. like, there's, yeah. two, there's two people that even the most hardened criminals won't curse in front of priests and children. Why? Well both are in some ways Imago or uh, uh in yeah. persona Christi. <laughs> ah. Right? There's the, the you don't you don't curse in front of God and the child and you don't curse in front of God and, and the priest because no matter how wicked you are you can still understand that there's a, a presence of innocence there that's divine. Yeah. Now th- I usually thought of this before thinking about Christmas more as just like um because the child is without sin or something like that. They mm. haven't actually mm-hmm. sinned yet. Mm-hmm. They're sort of innocent. And the other thing we do is when children look at us at a young age, people will just spontaneously say, like, oh I feel like he's looking into my soul. You know, they yeah, like That's nervous. true.
0: I do. I do get nervous. Especially yeah. Leo, my youngest. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He just penetrating penetrates right yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> he gives you the weird eyebrows that go along with his eyes. Yeah, yeah. that's usually when he's mm-hmm. when he's doing a little poop. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that
1: that so we have a, a spontaneous sense that the child delivers the presence of God because God's the one whose gaze makes us totally, uh, you know, they're seeing my soul, right? Like yeah, that's, that's the the last wow. judgment. I think that is the last judgment is that we actually are judged by the infant
0: Christ who just looks at us. And that's yes. what Christmas is. It's a judgment on the world, but it's not. Which is all those, you know, all the icons and stuff of Jesus, you know, with his, mm. his little baby holding up his two little hands and looking straight at you. And you're just yeah. like, oh, man, I'm yeah. screwed. That baby... <laughs> It knows me. Yeah. De- death by baby. Death
1: by baby. Yeah. Which is, of course, also the natural experience of parenthood is that you get killed by a baby. <laughs> One night at a time. I'm just saying, nature is always fulfilled in, in, in grace. And so when we look at what's natural, so, so okay, so Christ comes, he comes as a child, and there's already this pre-revelatory knowledge that the human race has that children are the presence of God. Mm. We through them our works are revealed as actually part of the singular a singular act of creation. Uh, and their merit is revealed as such, right? Because I think I think what it is, it's not that the child is like just act, like without actual sin, right? That's not sufficient because the gaze is what afflicts us. Mm-hmm. Like the child who stares at us. I was thinking about what is that? I think it's because, precisely because the child cannot distinguish um, your good acts and your evil acts, your the, the things that you're doing because you kind of have to, and you feel um, constrained by the world, and the things that you're doing because you're free to. Child doesn't bring all these justifications and distinctions to bear. To bear, he sees you, and this is through ignorance, right? So this isn't like an achievement of the child. It's just the fact that he's kind of a, you know, just sitting, taking it all in. Uh The the child just sees you as you are in a real way. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't understand that the reason you work your job is because you have to. Mm. Uh, and Really, you'd rather not participate in that particular practice, but, uh you know, you got to make money for the family. And so you're kind of, they, they just see it they provide to it the view that that God will have of us at the last judgment yeah. which which our works will be our works and our justifications they won't matter i mean they they will <laughs> in so far as they describe a reality but we will stand naked as it were before the divine
0: gaze and all of our excuses all of our I think it's mainly that it's not so much yeah, justifications our justifications obviously. but really our excuses the things that we call justifications yeah and really we're just lying to ourselves and the child yeah. just sees beyond the lie Yeah,
1: because he sees it not as not even t- with the reference point of the lie he just sees everything as a single act of creation it's right just, that's what it is yeah um and which is what's so scary about about the raising of children which is that they are immediately used to anything like it takes a while. Like if you have a home full of anger and violence, it's the 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 kind of sort of um, what's the word? Like sentimental view is that well, this is really bad because it's dangerous for the child, and the child has mm. you know it's going to upset the child. Yeah. But in actual fact, I think the real wickedness of it all is that it will be the world to the child. That there's not this like other world that the child compares it to and then deems this one lacking Mm -hmm. the problem with sin and the reason we don't do it in front of kids even when we're really quite quite gone and debased is because the child is the one for whom sin creates a complete world Um, they have to learn that it's not normal for instance and and thank god that we're not just children right because this is part of maturity and wisdom you grow and then you you can actually discern the good and the evil but it's very important, I think, to, to say that initial glance of the child is simply looking
0: at the world that yeah. you're offering them as the world. And they're right. This right. is the world you've made. When That also is really helpful when looking at Genesis. Yeah. When Adam and Eve, sure, they're like created as adults, we figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet they're given the eyes of a child. Yeah. They've not yet eaten from the, know- oh, the tree yeah, the yeah, yeah. of the knowledge of good right. and evil. They yeah. are given this this divine gift of seeing as a child yeah, once again. And that is the first glimpse of reality Absolutely. truly as it's given.
1: Totally. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of why Eve is as a child to Adam. So mm. this is obvious in the, in the literary form that she's born out of his side.
0: Right. Yeah. Like out of the womb yeah. of Adam. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. it's,
1: and I think that can kind of be creepy to people. It's like, what's going on there. And I think that's fair. Like that's a little mysterious too. And you can never forget its origins in you as a decision. Which is to say, I could have done otherwise. Mm. So the cow, to the person without the child, without the consciousness of the child, appears uh, dissoluble. Maybe we shouldn't call the cow. Okay, but then Eve is given to Adam, and Adam is the first thing she sees in the world. And all the fathers are clear on this. Adam's part of Adam's um, vocation was to, you know, they say, give the law to Eve, but. If you've been following New Polity for a while, you'll probably know that we, that doesn't just mean the law of the garden. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean just like the do's and don'ts. It yeah. means the world. Like I,
0: I have been following New Polity. How,
1: and you, so you know. Yeah, yeah I do know. <laughs> that law obviously includes all um, all the ways in which we structure the given creation to appear. So, you know, right now, like when we speak to you listening in the podcast, we are giving a law. We are saying the world should appear this way to you and you in listening, receiving our words are being obedient. And if you were happened to be here to speak to us, then we would switch positions. So we've discussed this sort of thing before, but it's just obvious that, that Adam gives the cow to Eve as the named thing now, mm-hmm. but Eve doesn't say concerning Adam's name, like, Oh, interesting choice there, Adam, <laughs> you know, presumably that would have crushed him. Um, <laughs> but she receives it as the natural world. So, Adam receives the trees of the garden already arranged by God and Eve receives the animals of the garden already named by Adam. And in both cases, the person is as child to father, Mm -hmm. not in the sense of like simple weakness where it's like, well, they just have to receive because they're ignorant. And this is really important. It's an enabling weakness. Like the fact that Eve can receive the word as being natural to the thing means that Adam's naming is genuinely possible. And this is, I think, what the story is trying to say. It's, it's that, you know, like um, you know, Paul, will, Paul will make this a principle later when he says that power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. But this is so obviously true in the beginning, right? Like Adam's power to name is imperfect. It's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for him to name alone. But it is made perfect in someone to receive the word. And, and and that reflects of reality, I and mean, we're always giving that to each other. And I hope by now it's clear that we are all still children, you know, in many to, ways, yeah. to one another. That's right, yeah. But the child, and which is obvious, right, because Eve is not a child, like, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of age. Well, maybe. She was one years old. She was zero. zero. less. One day. Zero. We're going to have to think about this one. But... <laughs> That's a baby in an adult's body. Wait a minute! It's like oh no, oh no. Adam married a zero-year-old, but he was a zero. He was. So this is just all uncomfortable. (laughs) 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 They. Do you see what I'm saying? Like they, they, like it actually enables Adam's lordship, right, to have a view of the world that that cements that naturalizes, and I think that's what's so fascinating about Christmas. Sorry to. Take that long detour through Genesis. Is that when the Christ Child comes, he condemns the world, right? And he comes at just the right point when the world needs to be condemned. As as a child who sees that world as the creation. Only now, like when we say that, we must mean it to this infinite degree because that's our creator.
0: Yeah. So it's,
1: it's so all of Herod's of, stuff, all okay. of all of Rome's claims to divinity, um, the whole empire in which he's, and then all, and then all the, the law of the Jewish people, like both are given to the Christ child who as child perfectly sees them as this is like when we talk, I'm sorry, when we talk about Christ redeeming creation, right? This must be like, this must be part of it, that he is the one who as child sees it as creation here are here's the world here's the names that you've given to things here's the structures that you've made, and i've come to redeem that right it's not that there's this it's, it's yeah it's not just like Christ has this non child consciousness inhabiting a child's consciousness I think it seems unlikely, <laughs> but that he actually fulfills what all children do like there's a there's a um they observe
0: and they judge yeah
1: and their mm. and their judgment is of a act of creation. The judgment is not of, you know, some decisions that could be otherwise.
0: Right. I mean, yeah.
1: He right. sees it and he says,
0: this is not good. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, can, he's, he can say it thoroughly, precisely as a child Right. raised in it. Yep. Um, so, what do you have? Yeah. I, so, one thing that I've been thinking about this Christmas season is um, the way in which God takes the idea of enslavement, which you could say yeah. is seeing the equal and rendering to them the unequal, taking him who is equal and and giving him something that's not his due. Makes sense. uh, And then and flipping it on its head. So seeing the unequal and giving them the equal. So you see this insofar as, um, I will give to him the throne of Jacob and he shall reign over the house of Jacob. He's looking at man and giving him sovereign divine powers yeah of course jesus god and such but it is that is the idea of the child the 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 child from the virgin coming up and being being the sovereign Mm -hmm. so and there you have this tectonic shift from the from the slave who's the equal receiving what's unequal now god you can say as father turning to the child the unequal and giving him the equal yeah so part of the movement of of seeing and judging creation is saying this whole order is backwards. Mm-hmm. But it also is kind of an order saying you look what you have created like w- look what you have done. I I I observe. I judge yeah. this is backwards. Yeah. We need to change this. Yeah. Where how does how does slavery come into this understanding of of this providential unfolding of reality?
1: Yeah, I mean Christ became a slave so that we could be free, right? And I think that um it's already present in the in the infancy narratives. I mean, the the image is that the kings of the nations come and bow before a child. And so it seems to me like you, you're right. You have that you have that inversion. Um but yeah, Christmas sets us free. I mean, Christmas is um, Christmas is a time where we give gifts, right? Very makes sense. Seems easy. Um, but that's what a gift is. I mean, what you're describing the 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 giving unequally, or rather the the, the undeserved. Um, the unde- I mean, a gift is undeserved. Is all I'm saying, right? So all our gifts are sort of modeled after the gift of God. Seems to me. Is that what you wanted
0: me to say? I mean, no. I, will, I didn't want you to say anything. I, <laughs> wanted, your, me up. I wanted your take. <laughs> Be me, me up, Scotty. That's where I, uh, I th- yeah, I think we just trying to put it together is that um, part of the world in which we have, that we have received is that we cannot, is that it has been compromised. Yeah. Like the creation that we have helped to develop and, and to make actually um, through the strange providence of God has not gone according to the will of God. Yeah. And that the recreation of Christ still gives that blessed dignity to the decisions that we have wrongfully made and says, all right, you take, you've created this particular, you've made a particular order based upon, of course, the eternal law, the eternal wisdom from which God created everything and said, let me give you a new way of doing this. Yeah, I know. know. I know. I mean, think
1: about the Christ child becomes a king you know, yeah. when when our whole notion of kingship was perverse, the Christ child becomes, um, he becomes a priest. When our whole notion of priesthood and sacrifice was perverse, mm-hmm. um, there seems to be something about saying that Christ became sin, mm. who knew no sin, that contains all of this in a neat little package. Yeah, wrapped in a red bow. Mm. Uh. Because Christ is Christ is not the one who um, cr- creates some other human nature. Right? He redeems this human nature, mm-hmm. and that means our history. Mm-hmm. That means our decisions about sacrifice, our decisions about priesthood, our decisions about kingship, our decisions about power, our decisions about economy. You know, it's like it's
0: He gives it all a new name while retaining its sort of exterior form. I, yeah, so okay, you mentioned Christ coming as turning over kingship and turning over priesthood. Yeah, I think so. but I think actually turning over prophet yes. is maybe the more interesting thing here yeah. because if you obviously in the Old Testament you have prophecies that are made, like this will happen, mm-hmm. but it's usually this will happen because you will do this. Like there is still some sort of causal relation Mm -hmm. rather than penetrating into a distant void that no one could ever guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe that happens, I guess. I mean, that certainly happens. But it's usually some sort of causal. There's some sort of causal link that's preserved within these prophecies. Whereas you might look at like Oracle of Delphi and stuff like that. It is just the, you know, that type of prophethood that Christ enters into. And he says, this is the future. That's what's going to happen. There's not going to be a link. And Christ comes as true prophet. Wow, yeah. Declaring how our culture is formed, how our societies are formed, and pointing in his finger to the causal reasons why they are the way they are. Yeah. And so he comes and says, this is true prophethood. You need to understand that what you do is not just something that arbitrarily or excuse me. That that what the future holds is not something that's arbitrarily just given. Not everything is purely created and handed on. That you are part of creation. Yep. That your decisions are part of this naturalness of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's p- partly where where we where we can try and draw a link of of Christ coming, creating all things new. This childlikeness that he that he gives this child observation. What's a good way of saying this? Consciousness is what you were saying. Yeah,
1: it's a little bit. Yeah,
0: that's a little bit bloated. That feels a little, like a heavy academic. diaper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's Christmas once again, and um,
0: what are you guys thinking about this Christmas? You're talking to me. Or oh, the, they're or not the, the haunting. Uh, yeah, they're uh, not yeah. responding to us. This is mean. I hope
1: everyone read a Christmas Carol. Because it's great. I think uh, I've been thinking about our critiques of capitalism and our critiques of the various vices associated with money. And I think what we are is Dickensians. Mm, really? From Dickens. Yeah. I mean, every time I read them. I'm not talking about his like,
0: like expressed views. I don't know. I don't know how much he did of that. Um, but his spirit. Do you know that Chesterton said that we'll never be able to understand Christmas until we've understood Dickens? Sounds like a challenge, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that Dickens never really understood Christmas, That's and that we and we need, to, <laughs> and that we need to uh, understand Christmas to be able to understand Dickens. And then awesome. he lost me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I didn't understand anything he said after that. <laughs> well, it does seem like
1: the what's lovely about Christmas, and one of the reasons children like it so much is that it allows for just a simplicity of celebration. It's like, it's a birthday party, right? It's what Christmas is. And you don't have to really explain Christmas. Um, a lot of the feast days, like it's very important to like get all the steps right, the history of it, etc. But with Christmas, it seems so intuitive. Um, and I think a lot about the, the Keynesian sort of style of arguing about what's right and what's wrong is, is like that. You know, it's like, um, like Christians need to, I think, recover a sense of just being able to say, um, you know, it's good to take care of widows and orphans. It's bad to, um, you know, speculate. Well, I was gonna say it's bad to it's a ba- it's bad to gain without without giving. Yeah, right? like things that are things that are obvious on Christmas. Yeah, isn't it isn't it funny how our society does? three things that are allowed on Christmas that are not allowed any other time of the year, right? Giving, listening to jazz and being a Christian.
0: (laughs) That second one really (laughs) irks me. still.
1: (laughs) No, it's great because it's like, uh, right. Christmas is the one time where you can go and proclaim the gospel and no one bats an eye. Maybe that's bad, but there's something really beautiful about it. Like, Christmas carol are almost always the most powerful evangelical words. You think about like, Oh, holy night. Um, or you think about, you know, I heard the bell. Oh, well, that's not actually that evangelical I heard the bells. That's just Longfellow. I can't
0: really remember. The All
1: right. Anyways, the point is the point is simply that Christmas is a time in which um, because of the simplicity of the celebration, and because of the great joy that it involves. We are allowed, as it were, to indulge, I think, the feelings that would have been very common to an age that was devoted to Christ, to Christendom. There's Mm -hmm. a reason that the things we associate with Christmas tend to be medieval things um, that come back up for a season and then fade away. It's like we've kind of shoved everything into Christmas, as it were, like, you know, wassailing or something like that. We've spoken about some some good old wassals before um and i th- i just think it's like a christmas mode of thinking a christmas mode of arguing is to say like well of course there's no justification for ever stealing of course we should always be generous of course we should give gifts of course you know like the th- i know a family that on christmas time they, they save up money throughout the year and then they just they just give people cash like during Christmas time, little envelopes full of cash and they give them to people. And it's completely like, and it's their Christmas tradition and it's beautiful. But it's also like, that's just called almsgiving. Yeah. Like, what you're doing is great, but yeah. it, it it is not a seasonal event, right?
0: Well, and this is it's so funny that we have this, we do have a seasonal event called Christmas where we harken back to these old Christian ways of doing things. And those, within those old Christian times, they had seasons, namely like Bishop Boy Bishop and Lord of Misrule, where they get a sneak preview of what we were going to do <laughs> now. <laughs> and they say, hey, remember, it's going to be bad when, yeah, yeah. When, the, when the capitalists come, right? And we're like, hey, and, remember, uh, one day it was good. Yeah, and we do the opposite and don't realize that life could just be lived this way, you know? Life could be Christmas. lived like
1: it was always yeah. Christmas. That's not... Even our movies are like this, like people... Every every year, there's movies where they're always trying to figure out the real meaning of Christmas, right? That's sort of the trope, and of course, the Christian response is like, "Well, the the meaning is Jesus, blah blah." Of course, it is, but what what they all the answers they come up with, things like, "Well, it's about family, it's about love, it's about togetherness, it's about forgiveness." Those are all true too, right? You don't want to knock them just because they're cheesy, um, but the question is. Simply, why is it that we have a Christmas economy, as it were?
0: I like that Christmas economy.
1: Only at Christmas time. Yeah. You know, like the things we do for the poor and for children and for charities on Christmas are obviously the basic things we're supposed to do to save our souls as Christians. Mm-hmm. And they are also obviously the things that make society happy. People like Christmas time even if you say, well, people are usually depressed at Christmas time. It's because they know they're supposed to be happy that they're so depressed. So the
0: point remains. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not actually engaging in the Christmas economy. Yeah. I think that's, that's actually it. It's the same thing is like when um, you're not actually, you take the habits and the customs, the rituals that yeah. are uh, of the time without the spirit that comes with it. So yeah, they're just like yeah, yeah, dead yeah. rituals. So it's like, Oh man, I sent out my Christmas cards. I hate doing this; they cost so much. I've talked to that person for years, and then I'm not going to give send that one because that will just be another wasted 4.99 or whatever. And then they send you a card, and then you like put on your jacket and like trudge out again with your kids in the car through the icy streets to the post office to give them a card, and you're right. just like grumpy because of it. Yeah, it's, it's like because you're doing the ritual without the spirit, bra. Yeah. Yeah, no, but you're right. As Charlie Brown would say. As, some, yeah. I don't know. You, what does he say? Um, something. He just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said s- something.
1: You said that um, you know, Christmas has a time where we talk to people who we haven't talked to in a while, mm-hmm. um, which is visiting the sick, almost. Like, I'm thinking about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, which mm-hmm. become norms at Christmas time, even for people that aren't Christian. It's like, well, what do you do? You visit, you visit people that you're supposed to visit. Right? Yeah. You listen and think about Christ, you know that's allowed on Christmas. It's on the radio if people are listening to the radio. Um, you give each other gifts without expectations of returns, right So you participate in a gift economy which is the economy Christ came to give, right. You say things like it's all about family, right you You gather together, you share meals, right You live as the Christians did. But it's like a Disneyland for it, right? It's like it's like we're gonna have a a day or two where you know you feel bad, for instance, if someone is without a family to go home to at Christmas. So you right. even yeah. even people that have no you know otherwise Christianity will will feel that and say you know come on over for Christmas dinner and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It just seems like the 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 problem with the world is that it tells you. That Christmas only happens on Christmas. I think it was Chrysostom who says something to the effect of, uh, "Maybe it wasn't." There's someone who, eh, I'm thinking of a poem, maybe, but it was something of like, "Be Christmas in me," it was the prayer to Christ, and maybe I'm mixing this up with "Be Easter in me," but either way, point is that the feasts of the church, while of course they come seasonally and they give us these moments and these reminders, they are all supposed to habituate us to teach us so that what is taught can
0: flow out of our hearts every day All, of the year oh, yeah, yeah. it's not like christ comes just one time a year He right. comes every day right it, which is you just, the, whole, the whole paradox yeah know or like happening. christ is only resurrected on easter yeah, yeah, yeah. he resurrects every day you yeah. know i mean he sacrifices every day so the so ne- representation of the mass it's supposed to be every day you know so next time people ask you what are the what's that
1: what's that new polity uh uh, econ, uh economy idea yeah, you just tell them it's the Christmas economy, baby. Christmas every year, right? I love
0: that. Every year, <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I think that does it. All right, we're we're naming the new the new book, Christmas Economy. Christmas Economy. I love it. Give it a little tinsel framing on the front cover.
1: I think what we should do is not name the book that, and then <laughs> reprint it, sell it on Christmas <gasps> as the Christmas economy, subtitle, previously named, good money, or whatever we call it. So then we're
0: participating in Americans America's version of consumerist Christmas. Just rebrand it. I love it, baby. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Well, guys, I hope you are having an amazing Christmas with your family. I hope... Also, that you're taking all 12 days of Christmas off. Oh, yeah.
1: You got to. Yeah. You got to take the partridge, the pear tree, the lords, leaping, everything. Yeah.
0: It's yours. Golden rings. Steal them if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you can do that, we we um, we um think that you would have a great time. Extend the Christmas economy as long as you can. Yeah. February 2nd is a long time. You know, get all the practice in as you can.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and thank God that there's... Uh, such goodness still still left to us right yeah man evangelizing this world is very hard but come christmas time you can do it yep all right god bless everyone merry christmas merry christmas